A quick warning to our listeners, this series contains discussions of sensitive topics, including trauma. Please take care when listening. Kids come from hard places. It's a reality even if it's not easy to accept. During their childhood, when they're supposed to be having fun, making friends, learning new things, some children and teens are facing abuse and neglect. They may live in fear. They may have to fend for themselves. They may not know where their next meal is coming from. Many of these youth find themselves in the foster care system, searching for safety and healing. In this podcast, we want to take a closer look at trauma and attachment, the results of living your early life in hard places. We want to explore how widespread trauma and attachment challenges are and how they can affect children and adults inside and outside the child welfare system. We want to hear from parents who are seeing trauma and attachment challenges play out every day in their homes. We want to learn from these parents who are navigating the needs of their children, committed to changing their lives for the better. This is Unsettled from Hard Places, a multi-part podcast from DePaul Community Resources. I'm Allison Wickline-Burns, host and producer of this podcast. In this episode, we are talking attachment. I'm joined by Christy Bonavita, DePaul's Manager of Training and Family Support. You'll also hear from Tiffany Martin, DePaul's foster care supervisor that you met in the last episode. A quick note before we start, trauma and attachment are sometimes used interchangeably, though they are not the same. We often see them overlap, especially with children in the foster care system, but they are different. Here's Christy to explain attachment. I really do see it as the basis for everything. And that's not just in our work. Um, it is just the the basis for so much of how the human being functions in life. Uh, attachment is basically the quality of connection that a person is able to have with other people. So we know that when caregivers are available and responsive on a consistent basis, the child is going to form this sense of security about life in general. Um, And more specifically, that security is going to be about themselves, the self, about others in the world, and about the entire world in general. So when a child has those needs met, what they start to understand is that, you know, this, this person sees me and that, and, and they consider my needs worthy of meeting. Um, and that leads to this, this deep rooted sense of worthiness. You know, I'm here. Um, I am visible to other people. Um, and other people see me as being important. Um, so a sense of worthiness about themselves. They also see that others are, are, are okay, you know, being around other people um, and having, you know, being able to be dependent on others is okay. What Christy just described is secure attachment. Needs are being met. There is a deep sense of security. The world is an okay place. 
Unfortunately, not every child has the chance to form secure attachment. If a child does not have their needs met consistently and don't feel seen and heard um, and understood by others, um, then there are some different patterns that can emerge that are more unhealthy. Here are three common attachment patterns that can be seen in these cases. Caregivers can be, you know, primarily absent or kind of harsh and rejecting. Um, and that's and that consistent um, type of interaction will lead to something we call avoidant attachment. And that means that we've got a child who has learned that when they show the needs that they have to other people, it doesn't feel good, the type of responses that they get. So this might be the parent that yells or the parent that sends them away. Um, and and for, for this child, they are going to develop this mask of independence. So I'm going to get my own needs met. I'm not going to show it to other people. Um, and, you know, they can tend to do pretty well because, again, they they develop this pattern of being being able to do things for themselves, finding a way to meet their own needs. For young children, that doesn't always work out so well, but because they do need somebody to help them meet their needs. But as they grow up, they will continue to build on this strategy of I'm going to do it myself. So these are the people that just tend to not be very emotional. Uh, They tend to, you know, again, they just do things on their own and they don't show people when they need help or, you know, that they, you know, it, it can be really hard for them to rely on other people. That's avoidant attachment. This is ambivalent attachment. This is a parent that is sometimes there for their child. Um, and sometimes not. Um, and that can happen for different reasons. Um, some, you know, a, a maybe a parent that is struggling with depression. So when they're, they're well and they're mentally healthy, they can be there for their child. Um, but when they're super depressed, um, they're going to have trouble seeing past that to their child's needs. Um, we might also see that with substance abuse. So again, when the parent is sober, things are okay. Um, and they can meet their child's needs, but when they're intoxicated, not so much. Um, and so this, this is a child that learns that life is unpredictable. They know, uh, from the experience, um, of when their parents are doing well, that having somebody else meet your needs and be there for you in tune with you can feel really, really good. Um, and they want to, they want to latch on to that feeling, but they have no idea what it takes to get that parent to be there for them. And so they become really, they can become overly dependent. They can become clingy, um, very overly emotional, doing whatever it takes to kind of get the attention of this caregiver. Um, And so that becomes their pattern of, you know, there can be a lot of irritability in that child, um, a lot of clinginess, a lot of big emotional reactions, that sort of thing. And the final one, A child's world simply doesn't make sense. This is disorganized attachment. Um, And it is the most tragic because it's really not a strategy at all. It is just whatever 
this child can think of and throw out the world to to try to manage some sort of interaction with with a parent or to to get their needs met in any way possible. Life doesn't make any amount of sense for this kid. Um, what we see with the disorganized attachment is that <clears throat> the caregiving has been really poisoned by fear. So there's a fear that is going on in the in the interaction itself. Um, so what we what we see with this is that the caregiver, the parent, is is either terrified or terrifying. So um, a, a, a parent might be terrified because they're in um, a relationship that involves violence. So they they might be in a domestic violence situation and constantly in fear. And if you think about uh, those times that you've been most afraid, you can't be thinking about other people in those moments. You're not you're not thinking about how am I going to take care of. Um, this or logically thinking in any way, you're just responding to that fear. So this is a parent that can't see their need, the needs of their own child very clearly when they're that terrified. Or like I said, they can be terrifying. Um, so this might be a situation where um, there is abuse. Um, maybe the parent is physically abusive or so emotionally abusive that it's really, really scary to the child. So I'm not talking about a parent that occasionally yells. I'm talking about the kind of yelling, berating, um, um, fearfulness, danger that um, that really would terrify a child. Um, and they wouldn't know when would be safe and when would not be safe. Um, so what this creates is a really, um, a, an unworkable situation because it, what we're going to see here is two innate needs that any human being has that are going to basically come in conflict with each other. So the first need is that it's in the attachment system itself. The first need is that um that a person is born with this need to be close to that attachment figure because if you think about it a baby can't take care of themselves they have to want that relationship they have to lean into it and so we are all born with that innate instinct to draw close to the person that's supposed to take care of you the other need that comes into place with um, disorganized attachment is that we also have this instinct to get away from danger, right? That's our fight, flight, freeze system. You know, we're going to get away from it somehow. Well, when your caregiver, your main person that's supposed to take care of you is also the source of danger in your life. You've got this need to go close to them and away from them at the same time. And so what that creates is this really tragic state in children where they just, it's really confusing um, their behavior because they're doing anything and everything at all times to, to try to get their needs met. There's no, there's no rhyme or reason to their behavior. While any child can develop an unhealthy attachment style or disorder, studies have shown that children in foster care or children who have been adopted, 
face a higher risk than their peers. So, is there hope for these children from hard places with unhealthy attachment patterns? Yes, a resounding yes. The really great hope is that there is tremendous healing that is possible. Yes, these children, they can learn another way of managing um, the circumstances in their lives of managing their huge emotions. Um, and they have tremendous potential to go on and be really, really vibrant adults with, with wonderful, healthy lives. Um, a person's attachment tendencies can change in life. Um, so there is work that can be done, even if this person is all grown up now and an adult that can still do work that will bring them to a place that is healthy and secure in relationships. Christy says education for parents about trauma and attachment is paramount to helping these children move forward and toward healing. There's just enormous hope. Um, the healing is there. We've got to understand enough about attachment and trauma to be able to see past the behaviors that are on the surface. What does addressing attachment look like? It's simple. It's so hard, but it's it's simple at the same time. Um, is just slowly and consistently developing this um, this predictable pattern for a child that I'm here. I'm an adult that can meet your needs. A phrase that I like is the safe adult on duty. So we are developing this pattern that the child will understand that there's now a safe adult on duty. Um, at all times, they're there. Um, and when that need arises, when distress is felt for you, um, that adult is going to be there to help you. It's being there. It's meeting needs. It's establishing safety, physical and emotional. Tiffany sees it every day in her work the life-changing impact of safety, stability, structure, love, and care. It, it makes a significant difference. You know, a lot of times we get a referral that, you know, is pages long with needs and behaviors of a child. And, you know, I, I always tell the families that there is so much more to it than what is written on that paper. And a lot of times, as you said, safety, stability, structure, nurturance, all of those things combined can really just settle the child. And it's understanding attachment and trauma enough to look beyond behaviors. Christy? There's always a need that comes beneath every behavior. Behavior is just communication, right? Um, so if we take the history and the current circumstances and filter the behavior through that lens, it really starts to make a lot of sense. Tiffany, again. The biggest thing that we tell our families is to meet the need underneath the behavior. Um, addressing the need that the child has addresses the behavior. This work is not always easy. That's why parents who are navigating this need support and connection. They need people that walk alongside them as they do life-changing work with their children. Also, families who are struggling deserve a well-informed, well-funded child welfare system. 
a system that takes attachment and trauma into account as policies are drafted and decisions are made. A system that understands that creating space and opportunities for these children to heal is a priority worth investing in for our future's sake. In the next episode of Unsettled from Hard Places, we hear from a mother who has adopted three children internationally and, because of her family's experience, is passionate about trauma and attachment education. Unsettled from Hard Places is a multi-part podcast from DePaul Community Resources, an agency invested in opening doors to hope and belonging to all people by providing services, educating our communities, and advocating for meaningful and systemic change. The podcast is hosted and produced by me, Allison Wickline Burns. Thank you to our sponsors, Marsh McLennan, Segra, and Wilbank Smith and Thomas. Please visit depaulcr.org slash unsettled podcast for more content and to learn how you can get involved. Thank you for listening. <laughs>